Welcome to the 2020 UTH Awards show, finishing out the Fantasy and Dynasty season here. It's uh, one of the few times that all four of us here get together. We got Katie Flower, Tim Torch, Jordan McNamara, and myself, Chad Parsons. We're going to go through all of the skill positions with a variety of awards. I believe we've done it three, four, I don't know, 11 years, some, something in that zone uh, so far on this award show. It's a fun time for us to get together and basically go over what do we remember, what will we remember from the 2020 season here. And we're going to start out with the quarter back position and the first one is veteran of the year katie flower is up to bat and this is 30 years old or older all right i'm gonna start with the dead guy aaron Rodgers. <laughs> aaron Rodgers qb5 with with an average of 29.92 uh, points per game this year 11 games in the top 12 and six in the top five wow 37 points, 21 points, and 32 points in the fantasy playoffs alone. He is my quarterback veteran. There you go. And uh, Tim is up next. If it's a repeat, give a bullet point or two. Otherwise, a full report on your nominee and winner this year. No, uh, I have a different guy. I'm going with Russell Wilson. He's my quarterback six. Um, I, I think what I really enjoy about Russell Wilson is that it's it's the variety of ways that he can really score points. He's he's definitely has the Konami code. He can still beat you with his arm. Um, of course, he didn't end the season on the brightest of notes, but he did start start off the season with uh, three uh, with three straight games of thirty plus points. So he definitely got you a strong start, and he was at twenty points per game up until uh, week ten, where he put up his first stinker. So uh, definitely one of the uh, one of the most consistent. We know how much UTH respects consistency in our players uh, and, and how much we uh, we think that's a, a great part of a profile. But uh, Russell Wilson is, is my veteran quarterback of the year. All right. I am up next and I'm going to go with Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he was left for dead by some and they didn't add wide receivers. That's kind of what we were waiting on the off season. But when you have Devontae Adams, sometimes you only need one. <laughs> and they drafted Jordan Love. They drafted A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara. I mean, they did everything else. Uh, but you have an all-time player, and you have, have him with an MVP-type season, QB4 in points per game. He's right there with Mahomes and Josh Allen for total points uh, and points per game on the season. Yeah, I'll take A-Ron a as well. Uh, last year, 4.6% uh, pa uh, passing touchdown rate. Uh, which is pretty low. His average for his career is 6.2. And voila, what happens? 8.8 .8 regresses right back over his mean and puts it right back uh, to where it normally would be over the last couple of years here. So uh, one of the better off-season buys in terms of vet guys. And you know, just a classic example of unless they're actually dead, that uh, these guys are highly valuable. And, and writing off all-timers early, especially at quarterback, is a mistake. Yeah, we might need to start having a 40-year-old and older award here because we, now we've got multiple entrants possible uh, for this year and maybe next year. All right, quarterback rookie of the year, and Tim starts us out here. Uh, crazy, crazy how th uh, three out of the four of us went with Aaron Rodgers, but uh, I, I digress. I'll start with uh, Justin Herbert as my rookie of the year. Um, definitely don't think average Joe Burrow to take a case, uh, take a quote from Katie is my top quarterback this year, even though, um, he did have some pretty quality games with, uh, uh, definitely has a, a solid pass catching group between Tyler Boyd, uh, T Higgins, AJ Green, uh, John Ross, when he decides to actually kind of be healthy, 
but Justin Herbert was, was again, not, uh, I, I feel like he was kind of the Josh Allen of this year. Everyone was leaving him as the, as the last quarterback that you could take in rookie drafts and, and redraft. If you, uh, if you partake, uh, he was definitely someone that was completely undrafted that you could get off the waiver wire and he was still a quarterback one for you. Uh, again, just like those spike weeks, he had uh, a 40 point game in week seven, but, um, was definitely near uh, 20 points per game. Uh, just, again, uh, a consistent performer every single week. Uh, behind a terrible offensive line, also might add, uh, just I like the overall profile, the rushing, the passing. It, it's just all there for him, and I think uh, definitely could go even higher in the future. Yep, I'll double up on Justin Herbert here. It was the first top 12 quarterback uh, rookie season since Dak Prescott, and just the ninth since the mid-1990s. And the interesting thing is you expected, you know, big guy who can run. And yet he really didn't do uh, much on on the ground when you consider what expectations or if he gets the top 12, what does that look like? It was him winning from the pocket and right away loses Hunter Henry in the offseason, most likely. But uh, again, still strong weapons enabled and uh, really looking forward to, to him next year, especially if he can add more rushing than we saw this year. Yeah, I'm going Herbert as well. And I'll just say, I mean, when you write these top 10 guys off and when there's a big gap in disparity, right, that's that's the value. Uh, and it's repeated itself over and over again. And I think if you redrafted now, you would have a totally different order than you would have had uh, in terms of rookies last year. And that's just a classic example of the fallacy of uh, value. But I digress. Uh, I'll also say that just in terms of looking at, you know, Herbert in context, Uh, The first two years of his career, Kyler Murray, 6.9 and 7.1 yards per attempt. And everyone thought that he was a a pretty polished passer coming in. Justin Herbert as a rookie, 7.2. So already on a different track. Again, that's a a positive indicator. It's only uh, 20th in the league, but it's a pretty positive indicator for a rookie to be up that high. Almost three to one touchdown interception ratio. And I think a a decent set of weapons here going forward. We'll see what the retooling is, but really excited about Herbert happy for him. And he got maligned in the, in the pre-draft process. And I think a lot of it was uh, how he looks and we should be open to those, uh, you know, to those biases. All right, Katie, finish this out in the category. He was a strong Debbie quarterback and then he stayed an extra year. Some people thought it was a mistake um, his stock never quite rose to that same uh, Debbie caliber, but he's proven it on the field. He's had eight top 12 finishes and three top five finishes in his rookie season. So clean sweep, Justin Herbert. All right. We got quarterback breakout of the year. You can use whatever definition of a breakout you so desire. I'm going to kick us off and go with Josh Allen. Uh, you know, progression has been the, the watchword for him through three seasons. Quarterback 23 quarterback 10 now QB two through his first three seasons you added Stefan Diggs that's really unlocked a lot of upside for him because he was largely without John Brown uh, for chunks of the year QB three in yards QB five in touchdowns and QB six surprisingly lowest uh, of the three in rushing yards uh, but third in rushing touchdowns and uh, when you say that he has oh and he's behind Murray and uh, and Cam Newton uh, of the two uh, there with the rushing touchdowns Stefan Diggs locked in John Brown will see with his contract situation in the offseason Gabriel Davis Cole Beasley so I mean there's a lot of of solidity and stability there with the the Bills around Josh Allen he's been one of the the great stories of passing game progression in his career to date uh, Jordan you're up next 
Yeah, the the progression is really notable there with Josh Allen. The last three years, rookie season, uh, CPOE, so completion percentage over expectation. He was negative 7.7 as a rookie, negative 3.7 last year. So that's a 4% increase. It's actually pretty good. And he jumps all the way up to positive 4.3. So just a massive leap there in terms of the progression. It's uh, they can beat you in so many ways. And that was something I never thought was going to really happen. And that's a, you know, a, a huge thing. He's up to the fourth best over expectation in the league ahead of him are Kirk cousins, Russell Wilson, and that's it. So uh, he's ahead of Watson, ahead of Rogers, ahead of Mahomes, all of those guys. So I think it's just an, uh, when you compare it to where he was and the narrative on him, people look at the completion percentage, but when you actually look at what was the expectation uh, massively above expectation, and that's, that's really the stat you're looking for. All right, Katie, up next. Josh Allen was my honorable mention. I thought he had his breakout season last year. He's offseason, but he also had fewer top five weeks than the guy that I'm going to nominate, and that's Kyler Murray. Everybody, he went from QB 15 with an average of 22.28 in 2019 with five games in the top 12 to QB 4 with a 30.39 average points per game in 2020 with 11 weeks in the top 12 and eight in the top five. We said we wanted to see it and he delivered uh, 42 points in week 15 to get you to the championship game as well. Yeah, certainly had high expectations uh, for Kyler Murray and achieved, achieved many of them this year. Uh, Tim finished us out. Yeah. I'll also go with uh, Josh Allen. I think uh, the progression everyone keeps talking about going from 52.8 completion percentage to 58.8, his second year, all the way up to 69.1 in 2020. Uh, If he plays weak, uh, the this next week and has a full 16 game slate he will add almost 100 fantasy points over the entire season to his profile and he will have 25.1 fantasy points per game which is just amazing he's definitely the quarterback one this year and he has six games above 30 fantasy points it's just impressive the the step forward he's taken and i remember him coming out we said that he could be a cam newton type of player because he could beat you in multiple ways uh i think cam newton and and more all right and and yeah we never saw cam newton really develop to this level as a passer not even in that super bowl that magical super bowl year they had all right jordan you are first up for quarterback free agent pickup of the year just for the be, being able to shout out Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, when he was a starter and now he's back. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure he qualifies as a pickup considering one quarterback, and, two quarterback, super flex, whatever criteria you want. Yeah. I mean, he was so off and on. Um, but yeah, I'll say uh, honorable mention to Andy Dalton. Uh, I ran him out there actually as a, he was a pickup and I, then I ran him out there, took a high variance play where I was a big underdog in week 16 and he almost got me all the way to a championship and a team that didn't deserve to be there. Uh, Josh Allen put the Knicks out of that late on Monday Night Football, uh, but needed like 35 points because of Dalton's huge game. So uh, I'll give a shout out to him as well. Yeah, you mentioned the two. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, Katie's up next. I wanted to jump in there. Okay. So, it, again, this has been a crazy year with COVID and with injuries and even just little things. Uh, so, if you picked him up, and started him just late. Jalen Hurts, uh, just in the playoffs alone, he had 23, 44, and 26 fantasy points. Uh, before that, obviously, he wasn't startable, uh, but he would have been free in a start one league and probably not on the waivers if it was super flat. 
All right, Tim, you're up. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Mitchell Trubisky. I, I think when Nick Foles was put in, he was kind of left for dead, but the last three weeks um, gave you almost 25, 13, and then uh, 23, which for picking up off the waiver wire uh, in a super flex league, that's not too shabby. So uh, again, we'll see what the future holds for him, but uh, definitely someone that you could at least plug and play if he was dropped out there. And uh, it was possible to see him out there in super flex leagues for sure. Yeah, I was deciding between two personal stories. One was Ryan Fitzpatrick got dropped in a two-quarterback league, but it's a shallow one. And I was without two quarterbacks, and yet he came through. He got a relief appearance and got me through uh, and into the playoffs in that critical week where I didn't think I'd have two going. But uh, I'm going to go down the, the Andy Dalton rabbit hole just because uh, I needed him in a couple of title games, and I was down to the screws uh, of and kind of being proactive of who do I think one or two weeks out will be starting. And, and Andy Dalton has been sneaky, sneaky good for a, a Cowboys team that has been better over the last few weeks than the S show it was right after Dak left. And uh, since the bye, uh, which has been six games for, for Dalton, 13 touchdowns uh, over that stretch, two plus touchdowns in five of six, six games versus just four picks. He had that huge week 16 that Jordan mentioned that fueled title teams, you know, especially when, when you get down to the point of, you know, going up against a big quarterback, he outlasted them and, and, and outproduced them and definitely kept you in it. It wasn't the reason you lost at a position you can stream pretty well. All right, quarterback disappointment, and Katie's going to kick us off in the category. This was tough. There's several candidates. Um, I finally went ahead and settled on one, but I'm going to say Matthew Stafford, and a lot of it wasn't his fault. He doesn't have the greatest of weapons, but the expectations were high. He had an average of 27.3 last season, even though it was cut short to injury. And he was trending hot and everybody had higher expectations. He finished this season at QB 25, average of 20.59 with only three games in the top 12. So even in a start one, he really wasn't startable that frequently. And in Superflex, nothing but disappointing. All right, Tim, you going to go with Stafford or somebody else? Oh, somebody else. Sam Darnold. I I was hoping to see something. It it was actually amazing to see Joe Flacco come in and put up at least a two-to-one touchdown interception ratio. And uh, through 11 starts, he's quarterback 31. He only has eight passing touchdowns and not even 2,000 yards passing. It's really been a fall from grace. He's still only 23 years old. Uh, By the start of next season, he'll be 24 um but for the formal former I, I believe selected second third overall uh third overall by the jets it, it's just really been a fall and it's not like he has bad weapons he has mims he has uh he had Le'Veon bell at one point in the season herndon uh, has shown flashes before crowder's definitely someone who's been there barrios uh and the offensive line is improving i i, I don't think it's just an adam gase problem yeah, uh, Brashad Perriman as well. Yeah, I was going to say sneaky weapons there. Um, I'm third up and three different answers here. I'm going to go with Carson Wentz. And part of that is my own expectations of, of what I thought we would see. Um, I mean, 16 touchdowns, 15 picks. Um, and this is after having two top 12 seasons in his profile through four years. Um, certainly going to be one of the more polarizing and talked about quarterback storylines of the offseason with his contract potential suitors, who the week one Eagle starter is, depending on how the, the rest of the season goes. So, so many twists and turns. And, uh, and with Jalen Rager added, I, I just, there was so much more, I thought, potential there uh, for the Eagles. I know there's injuries. I know there's a bunch of things going on, but isolate the play. And, and Wentz was still my biggest quarterback disappointment. 
Uh, yeah, I had a much lower expectation for him than you did, and he was the by far the biggest disappointment uh, for me. Uh, six yards per attempt, just putrid, uh, minus 4.1 uh, over expectation. That's third worst in the league behind, uh, ahead of only Drew Locke and Dwayne Haskins. Uh, he's uh, going to probably find himself someplace else, I would imagine. It seems like an untenu- uh, untenable situation there uh, with how they're structured. Uh, but it's going to be – it's a complete fall from grace. And honestly, a lot of the – there's been a lot of excuses made for him. Uh, he's consistently underperformed in terms of yards per attempt, all that, all those types of stats that you can track when, when wide receivers play with multiple quarterbacks. So, um, so it's been pretty disappointing for a guy that I thought was trending up. All right, we are on to the running back position. I do want to remind folks that so for the overall MVP, um, as well as the other um, ancillary non-positional categories, uh, every player can only be uh, awarded once uh, per person here. So uh, if you hear someone notably like, wow, I can't believe they not, didn't uh, uh, award so-and-so, it may be because they're saving them for one of the final awards on the show. So Tim is going to start us off with running back veteran of the year, and that's 27 years of age or older. I'm actually surprised that that he was as high as he was Melvin Gordon uh, running back 14 in PPR uh, went into the season. Really um, you could buy him at a discount because everyone knew that the timeshare, he was probably going to be locked into with Philip Lindsay, uh, not necessarily a timeshare with Royce Freeman, fingers crossed, maybe in the future, but uh, someone that that's still there, but finishing at running back 14 was a surprise. And uh, even with considering his snap share, he was only uh, 41.1% or I'm sorry, 50, 57.9% of this team snaps. So uh, being able to produce a running back 14 with just a little over half the snaps is, is impressive. I don't know how much more he really has left in the tank. So Melvin Gordon gets one last uh, moment in the spotlight for me. One last huzzah. Um, I almost wonder if we should, we should rename this the Frank Gore Legacy Award because, I mean, it seems like every year, if he's in the league next year, he wins it automatically is how it should go. And I almost think Adrian Peterson is, is on that similar uh, track of maybe just being an auto uh, award for this. But I'm going to say of the realistic ones, David Johnson for me. Um, I didn't think there were many to choose from. Uh, Melvin Gordon is a consideration as well, of course. Um, but I'm mostly looking at David Johnson. Where did he come from? You know, especially uh, with how the season started uh missed a little bit of time as well but 130 plus total yards in week 15 and 16 predictable starts duke johnson wasn't even around 24 plus points each of those weeks and the best tape of the entire season so you needed him at the very end if you got there he was unstartable for parts of it and maybe unappealing for the rest but uh, he got you all the way there and it's good to see dj who's been a uth favorite for quite a while even dating back to a prospect and and here he was finishing out strong this year I'm going to go Geo, and just considering where you got him, uh, you know, he's going 18th, 19th, 20th round in startup drafts. It's one of those laughable picks that people were, you know, you were making at that point. People were like, Geo, and just a, a warp crusher this year, especially down the stretch, and then um, actually benched him in week 15, and then he goes off. Uh, it seemed like the right process, but just uh, shows me what I should do for benching a, a starting running back. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, just a, a really, really good year. And I think a pretty underrated, after what I thought was a pretty overvalued start to his career, it's actually been a pretty undervalued uh, later portion here. A lot of us got scared off by Trevon Williams. <laughs> it, was a, it was a common problem week 14 into 15. And uh, Katie, finish us out in the category. Okay, I'm not going to make it a 
fourth individual, I'm going to go double up on Chad with David Johnson, RB 18 on the season, 14.5 points per game. And he had a couple nice games in the playoffs after he came back from injury. All right. And uh, running back rookie of the year. I am up first. A uh, lot of viable category, uh, viable uh, options here because it was a very viable class here right out of the gate for various cross sections. Uh, I'm, I, and this was honestly one where I go, ooh, who am I saving potentially for another category versus uh, using here? And I go with Jonathan Taylor uh, for running back rookie of the year. He finished as a running back one in adjusted points per game, four straight games of 19 plus points to close the season. I mean, that is absolutely key. You know, there's a lot of bumps in the roads to get there, but man, he was playing his best during the most important stretch. They said he, uh, he was going to fumble a lot. They said he couldn't catch the ball. He averaged two and a half receptions per game and was one of the most efficient pass-catching running backs in the entire NFL. And then uh, one, one lost fumble all year. So I think we can check those boxes off and, and pretty much alleviate those from uh, maybe concerns going into 2021. Jordan, you're up. I'm going to go Clyde Edwards-Lair. No, uh, James Robinson, uh, running back four on the season, comes from absolutely uh, nowhere. It was a guy we liked, fell out of the draft quizzical, and ends up – the story for him to actually get all the way home to this is absolutely remarkable with them cutting Fournette. Reckwell Armstead's COVID, Divino Zigbo on IR, James Robinson coming in, playing really well, staying healthy uh, most of the season. It tails off the end here. Uh, but at uh, – uh, a huge rookie season for a UDFA and finishes all the way up at running back four on the season. Uh, give me James Robinson. All right, Katie. I am going to go with Jonathan Taylor also. And you have said everything. He had that most important final four weeks where he just looked everything that we had expected. All right, Timmy, where are you headed? Yeah. I'll I'll make it a, a split for us with James Robinson. I, Everything Jordan said, I completely agree with. It's uh, unfortunately he wasn't there for us in the finals, but uh, leading up to that, he had uh, he was uh, finished running back four on the season. Uh, I really feel like he's someone that if we would have seen the preseason, we would have seen this coming, and there would have been so many more shares available, not not just on our own rosters, but definitely for UTH folks across the board. And it's one of those drum beats that, unfortunately, with the abbreviated training camp and everything, we just didn't hear that much about. Um, and I've just been impressed. He had 60 targets on the season, 49 receptions. And again, just uh, right around the 300 total touch mark on the season. Uh, I, I've been uh, impressed for someone that came from UDFA ranks, uh, Illinois State. I, I can't praise him enough for uh, really passing everybody up on that depth chart as quickly as he did. Yep, cost Leonard Fournette, uh, maybe a drove of, of touches this year for Jacksonville as well. Um, all right, and uh, next category, we got running back breakout of the year for Jordan. Uh, I'll actually go with Miles Gaskin. Uh, and this one is just a totally off-the-radar guy who, I mean, there's probably other guys that qualify as a bigger breakout, but for him it was from just so far off the ether that uh, – I mean, they bring in Jordan Howard, they bring in Matt Breida, and it's Miles Gaskin, uh, a holdover from last year that actually wins out the job. But like Tim said, a guy that may have actually been uh, uh, someone we would have seen an actual drumbeat for if the uh, preseason would have happened. So he was a, a early, that week one addition, like, wow, where did that come from? Uh, and ended up, yeah, he did get hurt. But on the season, in 
terms of total points on the season in only nine games finished his running back 28. So when you look at, when you take out some of the touchdown numbers early on in the season, he was like a top five guy without the touchdowns. So touchdowns held him back, but really good season. Yeah. Uh, noted there. Uh, Katie, you are up. I'm going with David Montgomery. He was the RB 35 in 2019, averaging 10.34 points per game. He broke out as RB8 with 16.97 points per game this year with five times in the top 12 and twice in the top five of scoring, including averaging 25.2 the last five weeks of the season. Yeah, monster schedule for Monty down the stretch, and, and he actually abused all those matchups uh, to as much as, as you possibly could have hoped. Yeah, big breakout. Uh, Tim, you're third up. I, I'm, I'm surprised that I was with Jordan on this one. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those names you don't expect uh, anyone else to really pull out of the hat, but uh, it, it definitely, uh, definitely shows that we're in lockstep on a lot of this stuff. I, I was actually surprised to see he's still 23. He's just one of those guys, even though he's been around for a couple of years, it's just, I feel like I know the name. Uh, from his time at Washington. Uh, and, and again, just another one of those players you didn't really expect to just step forward when Jordan Howard was there, Matt Burita was there. Uh, I, I just wasn't expecting this to be the direction they started uh, to start the season. Then week three, he has 22 attempts and then five targets. Uh, I, I hope he has some role with the Dolphins going into, going into next year, but we'll see. I, uh, I saved James, James Robinson for here uh, as the breakout, and you can have a rookie as a breakout. Uh, and part of it, a, lot, a large part of it, is what Jordan said earlier uh, about the fact that he was coming so far off the radar, undrafted, uh, small schooler, and a, a guy that basically wasn't drafted uh, in a large part uh, of rookie drafts back in May, the preseason, Miles Gaskin, guys like James Robinson would have been scooped up and it would be about how much are we bidding, not if we are bidding um, at that point in time with no preseason. He hit the ground running in week one with 17 touches and basically didn't look back. The lone blemish for him was missing week 16 for title games. Um, and, and I think he's going to be one of the more fascinating dynasty valuations in the offseason with his lack of, of draft capital and having to get over the, the hurdles of free agency in the NFL draft. Uh, so that makes him a fun watch uh, you know, after this, this successful season and the perfect storm really uh, for net being released and, and COVID for uh, Reichwell Armstead, et cetera, to get him all of that opportunity that may or may not have been coming otherwise. All right, we got running back free agent pickup of the year, and Katie's going to start this one. I am, and this is where I saved James Robinson for. Uh, he was picked up on many waivers right before the season started when he was announced that he was going to be the starting running back for the Jaguars. And no matter what you spent on him on waivers, it was so worth it. We know the results. And I remember, Chad, we had a show right you know, before the waivers ran, and you asked, what would you put down on James Robinson? And I said, everything you got. This is one of those guys. And you didn't believe me. I remember you scrunching up your face and your eyes. And you were looking at me like I was the devil or crazy. And I might have been. But I believe that he, even though we didn't get to see him in the offseason, I just had a gut feeling about this guy that this was going to be his job. I will say, if Michael Warren didn't exist, I think it would have been a lot hotter and have actually have some shares of James Robinson. So I blame Michael Warren the second. Oh man! Um, all right, uh, Tim, you're up with the free agent pickup of the year. Yeah, I didn't put this guy in the veteran of the year because I really wanted him to be here, uh, Mike Davis, and 27 years old, and we 
we've been uh, talking about the last couple of years. He's just a just a guy that is that workman profile can get the job done. Uh, if he ever has to step in for you, he can do the job. Finished uh, twenty uh, still going on twenty twenty is running back eleven uh, has eight touchdowns and you. I just didn't see it coming. He has never had uh, over 200 touches in a season. He's only had one season where he's had more than 100 touches. That was in 2018 with Seattle. So, uh, again, if you were paying attention to kind of the running back, always get the backup running back, especially those workhorse guys, this was someone that was firmly on our radar. And while he didn't put up a big performance in week 16, he definitely did plenty to get you there during the season. Yep, I'll second that with Mike Davis. Uh, he was available for free heading into week one and after week one as well. Reggie Bonifon being cut was the the real thing that greased the wheels opportunity-wise to have that clarity behind Christian McCaffrey. Six games of 15-plus points. He was running back three in the NFL behind Alvin Kamara and J.D. McKissick in receptions, 1,000-plus total yards. And, uh, and Mike Davis could have been breakout. He could have been here for free agent pickup. Uh, there's multiple categories at play for Davis with a, a great – um, you know, running back, uh, running back stashing and now starting and, and stable situation that we found is week after week of up oh, McCaffrey's not back up oh, Mike Davis. Uh, we can plug him in yet again. All right, Jordan, finish this out. Yeah. A lot of categories for Mike Davis. I think the third on the entire season in terms of running back receptions is just remarkable considering there were actually three McCaffrey games in there as well. So just a really, uh, really good season especially from a you know human hand grenade throw him in blows up a, a week for you type of perspective uh he's definitely that guy this year so huge pickup all right tim lead us off with the disappointment which is biggest running back disappointment this was tough i i had two names that i i was kind of going back and forth on but um the one that i i really feel uh the strongest about is joe mixon he he's someone that over the past uh, three years, I, I know he's going. Uh, he's in his fourth, but I think the last three years, he's really been someone that's been uh, talked about as a potential first round, first round startup dynasty pick, uh, top twelve guy. He's someone that has the athletic profile you want. He's definitely a strong receiver, but what you're seeing again and again with this coaching staff is, um, is that he's not really being used completely in the receiving game. Uh, he's not being really used to the full potential. And even when you start to get the inkling that maybe he will be used in that way, he breaks down quickly. Um, this season, he he's only played six games so far, and he's only had one season out of his four where he's played a full 16-game slate. So, so again, it's while the profile is intoxicating, he's only going to be 25 years old next year. Uh, he's someone that has just burned me too many times. All right. Um, if moving the needle in Dynasty League power rankings is the criteria, then I think uh, it's Sequon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey playing a combined four healthy games um, takes the award. If it's guys that actually played and massively disappointed, I think it goes to Todd Gurley. Uh, running back 30 in points per game. Despite a strong passing game, this was viewed as one of the great landing spots that at the time in free agency was left. Um, 24 receptions on the season is pretty pitiful. He was touchdown or bust basically for even a middling game. The soft early season schedule kept him on the map. Last five game played. This is actually mo the most depressing part. Five last games for Todd Gurley, 23 total points. 
and nine touches was his game high. Uh, now he's entering an NFL free agent offseason. Uh, Todd Gurley, I mean, we were, what, two years removed now from being the number one dynasty asset and number one dynasty running back um, for some people. I mean, and, and here we are with, you know, this finishing a season and now an ambiguous offseason. Yeah, I think I think Gurley's a good pick there. I'll go also with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, he it's going to be interesting to see how the market treats him because he's a top twenty-four finisher, and uh, but nowhere near some of the expectation of people that were taking him at one hundred six in, in redraft. So, um, multiple guys outproduce him, and when you sort of look down the stretch, it was uh, for a large swath of the the back half of the season was really unusable in terms of he misses uh he misses week 16 but hadn't didn't score after week 12 and didn't have uh you know didn't really have much down the stretch to help out so he had a couple of big pop-off games but the price just got so out of control earlier on and it was hard to imagine that they would actually you know use the offense that they spent basically three quarters of a billion dollars in and use it optimally it was a surprising outcome all right, Katie, who has displeased you and disappointed you this year? Ezekiel Elliott, uh, big time. You know, RB3 and ADP, and some people in redraft would even take him uh, as the RB1, and he ended up, uh, he was RB5 in 2019, RB7 in 2018. He slipped to this year RB14 with an average of 15.25 and only four top 12 weeks. Let me say that again, four top 12 and he's supposed to be one of the top RBs in the and league. And three of them were in the first month or something. I was about to say they were all with Dak they there. All, they were all with Dak, yeah. <laughs> so at his price tag, ADP, this was quite a disappointment for a guy who was healthy. You know, you can blame Joe Mixon, but Mixon has been injured. Ezekiel Elliott has been healthy, and he still has done not what he should all right, wide receiver veteran of the year, and now we shift to 28 years of age or older. I kick us off, and uh, I'm not going to save it. I'm going to use it and burn him up here. Devontae Adams, uh, the wide receiver one on the season, and cle- cleared the field by four-plus points per game. He had six games of 30-plus points and three 40-point games, including the, as I call it, the offset Alvin Kamara and Mike Evans 43-point game on Sunday Night Football in the championship week. Plus, uh, he gets the added bonus and any tiebreakers he ever would need as uh, one of my previous award winners of the I Will Always Love You category. All right, Jordan, you are up. Yeah, just an outrageous 17 touchdowns in 13 games. Uh, And when you sort of... Uh, you know, he got, got off to that, uh, the injured, the injuries there to start. And, uh, but ultimately just a huge season. And when it mattered the most, the stack really with, uh, with him and, uh, Kamara in a couple leagues was just, uh, was just diabolical. So, um, yeah, wide receiver one, got to take it. All right, Katie, you going with Adams? Going with no, else. I'm going with, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Just yesterday he was a rookie, but it, in, for real, he's 28 years old, wide receiver five with an average of 18.82 points per game, and he had a decent playoff scoring stretch. Uh, not as good as Adams, but uh, maybe I'm saving him for something else. Just possibly. Tim finishes out here. It, it's amazing that Devontae Adams is the wide receiver one, and he had uh, games missed. 
it's not simple enough that he's the wide receiver one. He, uh, he has two less games than uh, the next, uh, next wide receiver behind him, Tyreek Hill, and then uh, Stephon Diggs. It's, it's just amazing the pace that he's on. And I just want to share, I still remember my earliest UTH memories and it was trade Des Bryant for, for Allen Robinson plus trade Des Bryant for, uh, Devonte Adams plus that that was like the move that, that I was still dicey remember. for a little bit. <laughs> that was a dicey <laughs> trade for a little bit. It worked that, out. That was, that was the move to make, and um, and boy, it, it just does nothing but pay off. For the last uh, five seasons, he's been over two hundred points in PPR leagues, and it's it's just paid off time and time again. And he still has plenty left. Apropos uh, to what I believe the answer will be, Jordan is going to start us off in running as a wide receiver rookie of the year. And I wonder if the word arbitrage, everyone get your drinks ready. Justin Jefferson. And listen, when you get, when you get four profiles that look all the same, take the cheapest one and get plus on top of it. And that's the, that's exactly what the play was. Uh, I didn't, Listen, I love Jalen Rager. I still do. Um, but I think that that was the, the biggest process mistake that I made all of last year was that. Oh, so, no. um, so, yeah, so Justin Jefferson, huge year. Uh, I saw he was top four in terms of uh, uh, warp, in terms of like PFF's warp. Just a remarkable season. So, um, it, again, they, they lost digs and, and uh, got someone you know, just as good on a cheaper contract. It was, it was really interesting. Katie. I'm going to echo and just leave it at that. Justin Jefferson, rookie of the year. All right, Tim, who's your rookie of the year? Justin Jefferson. I, I, it's okay. unfortunately it's not one of the few one of the few sweeps. And yeah, I'll say from week three on, because remember we had that Ola BC Johnson experiment when he was the the starter and Jefferson was number three for a, a span there of a couple of games. Wide receiver four in total points, and he's had two games of less than nine points since then and five 20 plus point games. Uh, he was middling the fantasy playoffs, but an auto start player that got you there. Um, so again, not everyone's going to score 30, 40 points in the most critical weeks and, and time it up like that. But Jefferson was a huge help to get you. All right. A wide receiver breakout of the year, Katie flower. All right. I'm going to go with DK Metcalf as a rookie. He was wide receiver 46 with an average of 11.33 Fantasy points per game, 52 receptions, 88 targets, 819 yards, six touchdowns. Everybody expected him to step up his game, and he did. He's wide receiver six, average 17.81, very startable. 80 receptions on 120 targets for 1,282 yards and 10 touchdowns. He's got the size, he's got the speed to be that alpha wide receiver that we're always looking for, and Russ likes to look his way. All right, Tim. Doubling down with DK Metcalf, wide receiver six on the season, 10 touchdowns. Uh, it, what's amazing about him, he's only 23 years old. I still remember the concerns was that he couldn't, couldn't run her out. Can't run her out. <laughs> Can't run her out, but boy, boy, he runs fast. Uh, I, I do like the boom week rosters it's not as simply as he's he's high volume which uh, 120 targets that's definitely something we want to buy into but on top of that we get the luxury of just having someone that's connected to russell wilson yep uh, i'm gonna go and pivot here and say Corey davis uh top 30 finish for the first time in his career and he was my most disappointing wide receiver on the awards show last year um he's got a chance going into week 17 for a thousand yard season despite only 81 targets uh through this week he's a 2021 free agent 
I love the tape. Uh, he was getting open regularly in 2019, but he just wasn't seeing the targets. Uh, you know, and and AJ Brown with his breakout season, mouths to feed. You know, factors going on, and and again, I just kept doubling down on Corey Davis and saying, I mean, if he busts, I'm willing to go down with this ship. Um, and we, you know, despite not getting the targets last year, and you see him come off the line blocking and doing all the other things beyond getting a high volume of receptions, touchdowns. You never heard any of this, you know, diva wide receiver peep and like, I hate Ryan Tannehill and why aren't they getting me the ball and all this stuff. He went about his work, you know, for a team that, that went deep in the playoffs last year. They're, they're on, on track to do that again this year. So he, he kept grinding uh, anything the team needed and uh, he's ready uh, with a career best year to date going into the offseason to get paid, you know, and probably move on from Tennessee. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Stephon Diggs. And that might seem a little odd considering he's been a really good wide receiver, but he gets into a whole new stratosphere. Uh, wide receiver one in terms of receptions, in terms of yards, uh, and just absolutely elevates to a, a completely different level of being a uh, gravitational force in an offense where he was never really that in Minnesota. Uh, I saw the, you know, he was north of eight yards per uh, per target in terms of his yardage and what Delvin Cook was somewhere around five. And they wanted to build an offense around someone that had five uh, per opportunity instead of a guy that had eight. I'm just glad that he's in Buffalo. <laughs> All right. And uh, next up, we've got the uh, free agent pickup of the year. Go for it, Tim. I did to, to actually see this this guy make it. Uh, Nelson Aguilar finish, finishes his wide receiver 33 on the season with eight touchdowns. He has uh, seven games above 10, uh, seven double-digit games this season. And uh, really, he's blown Henry Ruggs out of the water in terms of, in terms of overall production on the season. Uh, I, I've been impressed by um, just being able to remake himself, move to a different roster and be someone reliable for Derek Carr, where it, at different points of the season, people were buying Henry Ruggs. Brian Edwards had a moment in time where people were excited about him. Of course, Darren Waller's there to be, really be the high volume target, but this is just another one of those cases where you're betting on the profile. If someone drops a first round pick, pick him up and he has at least some level of of opportunity uh, to really produce on your roster, especially at the wide receiver position, except for Kevin White. <laughs> uh, yeah, even Laquan Treadwell getting a little work here. Um, yeah, I have Nelson Aguilar too. Um, so without rehashing anything, I'll just say I'm doubling up here and we'll go to Jordan. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take Nelson Aguilar as well. And I think you, you hit it right in the head. All right. For the win, Katie finishes out. Sweet. Sweep it. Wow. One of the few sweeps I never thought Nelson Aguilar. We've got three. We've got three now. We've got three. All right. Uh, Biggest wide receiver disappointment. I'm going to start us out and it's personal one. It's Jalen Rager. Uh, You know, missed some early season chunk of games. He's only had one 10 plus point game on the season, less than 400 yards, one touchdown in 10 games. Yes. There's quarterback issues. Yes. There's offensive line issues. Yes. There's general Eagles questions about underperforming around him, but I still thought he would rise no matter what. Uh, I still believe fully. I project a strong impact from him next year or the year after, but disappointed clearly outside the top 80, uh, my personal expectations for year one. I'll go Chris Godwin. Uh, and I just thought it was pretty interesting. Someone pulled up a tweet from the offseason in which someone was saying, you know, when's the, you know, when has uh, Juju Smith-Schuster ever been better than Chris Godwin? And my retort was uh, every, every moment before 2019, and that reverts to back being true. So, um, yeah, the, it, 
uh, it's just a disappointment when you were taking him as wide receiver one in February, right? You know, make sure you date that. Make sure you date that person before you marry them. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Katie, you're up. I'm going to go with someone that Jordan just mentioned, but not the Chris Godwin guy. I'm going to go with Juju Smith-Schuster. He was wide receiver nine in 2018, and last year was a down year. He lost Big Ben. He was injured himself. Everybody, though, expected him to bounce back. He ended up wide receiver 24 on average of 14.44 points with only one week in the top 12. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has had four weeks in the top 12. Yep, we know that firsthand, Jordan. I cost I cost us something in our in our FFPC league for for not having Marcus Wall the scaling in there is that Mr. Dart throw. Um, all right, Tim, finish us out here. I'm going to go with Michael Thomas uh, coming into this season, 149, 125, and 104 receptions, and he finishes 2020 with 40 total receptions. Uh, granted, some of it wasn't his fault. He uh, just went on injured reserve with an ankle injury, but there was a situation early in the season where he was having uh, scuffles uh, scuffles in-house, uh, so definitely not uh, – definitely showed himself to maybe not be a team player. Maybe there's some character issues. Uh, I even believe someone called him Mr. Slant (laughs) and, uh, and he had an issue with that, but I'm definitely buying into the profile. He's someone I want to buy into for next season, because I think you're going to get a nice discount on him. All right. And we're shifting over to tight end and Jordan's going to kick us off with veteran of the year, 27 years of age or older. Uh, 27 years of age or older, uh, lots to choose from here in terms of, uh, in terms of some of the guys, uh, I thought Jimmy Graham was an interesting one in terms of, uh, you just don't, you don't take and write these guys off, uh, just too early. And he posts, uh, tight end 11 numbers. And basically the formula for tight end is always when you get a guy who is a vet, and he's going to be a starter, and he gets really cheap, uh, but he has a strong history of production. They end up almost always becoming a value. So he posts a top 12 season, and you take it. Yeah, and Graham got dropped even mid-season, I remember, as Cole yeah. Komet was coming on a little bit, big committee, and then he comes surging back late in the year. Uh, Katie, who is your veteran of the year? At 31 years old, tight end one, Travis Kelsey. He's the, still the gold standard at his position. He's tied to a great young quarterback, and – I know that there's other older tight ends, but tight end one, Travis. All right. All right, Tim, where are you headed? Yeah, I'm not going anywhere else. Travis Kelsey. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I chose Travis Kelsey too. Does any other tight end in recent memory get open 15 to 20 yards down the field more than Travis Kelsey? Just wide open. And I know it's the Chiefs offense. It's Patrick Mahomes. They got other things to worry about. But uh, I mean, Travis Kelsey is one of those things to worry about. Four years running as the number one overall tight end in AWARP. Uh, you know, he's attached to Patrick Mahomes. Um, how about this for the last four games? This is a tight end, non-premium. 27, 27, 22, 22. Yeah, that guy's making an impact and helping win titles. Um, So yeah, and he was four points per game better than the field for the season, eight points per game better than tight end three over the last half of the season. So you're you're almost getting two tight ends. You're getting a top tight end, but you're also getting another streamer uh, there in your lineup with Travis Kelsey. All right, we're moving over to tight end rookie of the year. And as as promising as the last category was, this one's a little tougher. Uh, So Katie, how stringent or how loose can you be with the criteria here? Okay, so I'm going to give you an answer that you're not going to like. 
but I am going to respectfully abstain no. from Oh this my gosh, Katie, for the first time in history! Katie is declined from I, nominating I, someone. I feel that there's really no candidate whatsoever. Oh, I'm not no. even going to put anybody's name Katie, up there. there's lemons in front of us. There's a glass. There's sugar to pour the whole thing in. You got to make lemonade out of this thing. She's abstaining from voting. I'm abstaining. I'm respectfully abstaining. Tim, are you going to make it two abs- a- 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 was it abstinations? That's not even a word. <laughs> What do you guys? It's one of those cases where I didn't even know it was possible until until Katie put it out Katie's there. He's creating rules that was never part of the rules. She's like, I'm taking it, but I'm pulling my vote. I'm out. Wow. She's pulling her vote. Yes. Tim's voting her pull yes. vote back. This is un- this is unprecedented. <laughs> I have a lot written down, and you know what? I am definitely not so. I'm one that swims upstream, my friend. So I will make the best of anything here. And I am actually, I have a vote because one of my guys fell in the Don't NFL draft. He played for about a month. And you know what? I saw a lot of positives. I'm going to go with Albert Aquabunum. He didn't play until week six. He had a three-week run of 45 yards, 60 yards, and he had a touchdown the next game before an ACL injury. He showed that dominant profile of the projection model despite slipping to day three. Who knows what the future holds? I know Noah Fant is there. There's a host of weapons. But Albert Aquabunum was my guy. It hurt my soul that he fell in the draft like he did. But we got only a few games from him, and we saw what his profile could do in the NFL. Yeah, I'll take uh, Cole Clement, and he comes on uh, late in the in the season, starts getting higher snap share, and I think projecting really for a for a year two breakout, uh, which is really something that you're really looking for out of day two guys. So, the uh, latest news on him was he had a quiet quiet week sixteen with eighteen yards. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for his 2021 potential breakout and get, uh, get Graham out of there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And get Allen Robinson out, and we'll see how they address the position. But yeah, Komet is uh, on a good track for next year. Flash a little bit. Yeah. And uh, speaking of breakout, we've got uh, Tim up first with tight end breakout of the year. Uh, Darren Waller. Uh, he's someone that I, I don't don't crunch your nose up. Oh, sorry, I'll turn the video off. <laughs> you should turn the video <laughs> I off. I told you video's dangerous for me. Oh, my God. Last season was amazing, but uh, coming in, I think the breakout really comes from me because of where we started the season coming into 2020. There was a lot of people putting a lot of different, um, putting a lot of different exaggerations on other parts of this roster. Henry Ruggs being brought in, Brian Edwards being brought in, Josh Jacobs being more involved in the passing game. Jason Witten uh, Ty- Ty- being there, Ty- Tyrell Williams still being on the roster, Nelson Aguilar still being on the roster. There were so many other pieces that they were bringing in is that people that I think the overall consensus was there's no way he could still be over 100 targets with with this situation, this group of pass catchers being brought in. Moving into the season, obviously we were proven wrong. He's had monster games. I mean, we're talking about 30, 40 point games where he's been a game changer in any given week. And I think, I I don't think he deserves to be in the stratosphere of Travis Kelsey because of what he's done this season, but it's definitely a breakout because I don't think that we put it here. 
All right. I'm going with uh, Robert Tanyan as my breakout tight end six in adjusted points per game. Second to Kelsey in touchdowns, historic touchdown rate season. We can talk about regression uh, for, for a future year when we get there, uh, but celebrate this one. And he's, you know, so it's all touchdowns, tight end 20 in targets. And he had five of six games with a touchdown to close the season. Also could be the pickup of the year uh, if you choose to use him in that category, but I'm using him for breakout of the year here. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, also use him for breakout of the year, and he uh, was actually third in the NFL in terms of separation uh, at the catch. So, according to Next Gen Stats, actually tied for second. Excuse me. So, uh, and that's with receivers and everything. So, just a really good year for him at coming off the radar. And uh, yeah, it's a good story. Katie finishes out. I'm going to pronounce his name correctly, according to the announcers from last night's game, but it's Robert Tunyon. And I could have easily used him in the pickup, but chose to use him in the breakout. He came out of nowhere. And Chad, you called it too. I will give you full credit for this one. You advised everybody to pick him up uh, for Green Bay. Yeah, I think it wasn't Jay Sternberger hurt right then or something. Like there was also the perfect storm of the competition wasn't really going to hit him at the same time too. So... Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, so tight end pickup of the year. I'm here and uh, Logan Thomas, I'll tell you in some two tight end leagues, he has been money for me this year. Uh, you've got a lack of wide receiver two on that, uh, on that roster that, that helped the situation too. Uh, no finishes in the top 50 of a season before 2020 positional convert. And uh, Thomas is tight end four in targets, top 10 in points per game. And how about tight end three in total points over the last five weeks, behind only Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. So massive impact here. Start one or two tight end. Um, but now there's talk that maybe Washington will not be addressing the tight end position in the offseason with a plenty of other things on their to-do list. And I, I wouldn't disagree. He's developing nicely in a Darren Waller-type way late in his career, late in that uh, developmental curve. Uh, Jordan, you are up. Uh, I'm going to go with Dalton Schultz and comes off of uh, it ends up being tight end 16 uh, and just it's pretty crazy considering the arc of Dallas this season that they're actually here Uh, but you know, they had the, the Ben DiNucci experience and all that stuff. Uh, Schultz really puts himself on the radar of fantasy viability going forward. And, you know, basically with a fringe uh, top uh, with a fringe tight end one, tight end two season we'll see maybe he puts up some points in week 16 you can actually get it inside the top 12 so um but yeah a pretty good season for him coming from totally unexpected coming into the season and katie i am going with logan thomas and again he could have been the breakout candidate coming from nowhere nothing you know tampa bay he didn't do anything at all and i even scoffed at the idea that he was going to take over the tight end position in Washington and I'm a believer. I, I really, you know, yeah. I remember it was Thaddeus Moss, right? Thaddeus Moss f- falls through the floor and it was like, but, Oh, we still love him. He's still going to be the star. Like a lot of people were picking him up and you probably valued higher than uh, Logan Thomas at stretches yeah. of the, uh, of the off season as well. All right, Tim, finish this out. Yeah. Logan Thomas for me too, uh, drafted, uh, potentially as a quarterback with Arizona uh, out of Virginia Tech in the fourth round. Uh, he has successfully, in my opinion, made the transition to, to tight end. And uh, six out of his last seven weeks were all double digit in PPR. It's just been impressive uh, to see the transition he's made. 
and we'll see what happens uh, when he has a pretty solid and hopeful, reliable quarterback in 2021. And what I would say, he has a very respectable mustache, not quite as good as Tim's. If we can get Tim just with the mustache, that would be, you know, maybe on the uh, Logan Thomasian <laughs> level there. Uh, all right. Uh, biggest tight end disappointment on the year. Jordan kicks, kicks us off. Uh, Ian Thomas, 28 targets and just, uh, just a, a pretty Is that good. Abysmal. Not, not good, Chad. Not good. Was he hurt a lot or? No, he ran a ton of routes and did nothing with them. So oh. just an absolutely putrid uh, yards per route run. Yeah. At times, Chris well. Manhurts was like, no, no, no. I'm the captain now. <laughs> like, no, no, you're the blocker only. No, get over there, Chris. And Ian's like, you're stealing my shade. Yeah, I'll show you how to separate. So, uh, yeah, really big disappointment from him this year. Yeah, yeah, he was a big, he was a big breakout candidate. Go ahead, mm-hmm. Katie. I was going to say, for me, it was Austin Hooper. Uh, he changed teams. I, I had high, higher expectations for him. He fell from 88 targets to 65 and went from 68 receptions to 42, which left him at tight end 22 for the year. Very lackluster. Yeah, when you're fringe, yeah, when you get that contract and you're fringe startable and two tight ends, not great. Not great, Bob. Uh, Tim, you're next up. Yeah, I'm right there with Katie, especially once Odell Beckham Jr. went out. I think there was a, a thought that maybe he would be uh, seeing more passes going his direction uh, over the last <clears throat> uh, two seasons previous before being with the with the Browns, he had 71 receptions, 75 receptions. He's all the way at 42 this season. Uh, and, and that was definitely buoyed by uh, seven, seven catches in, and, uh, in this past week. Currently, the tight end 21 and only has three touchdowns on the season. Uh, not, not, definitely not what I was looking for. Speaking my language with the word buoyed. Love that. Um, all right, I'm going to go off the board here. Uh, new one, Zach Ertz. Uh, one game with more than 10 points this season and zero uh, his last seven games played. He missed a chunk of the season, midseason as well. Dallas Goddard boat, basically boat raced him on the same depth chart. And again, I was the one years ago saying that Dallas Goddard's better than Zach Ertz, but that is immaterial to this conversation. I mean, we're talking about a tight end that the previous two seasons had 204 catches and 14 touchdowns, and he averaged barely 30 yards a game, 3% touchdown rate this season. He was completely off the radar even when he was back. I mean, talk about part of the system failure with Philadelphia. Zach Ertz, also another critical element of you came from where and now did what? Uh, that, that, again, people just stopped talking about him. I didn't see him mentioned much, much as all because he just fell off the radar so completely uh, early on during the year. All right, uh, now we are a new award for the year. It's called the What If Award, which means any storyline, player, depth chart. What's something that, man, if this could have been different, how much would this have changed the landscape of this player or dynasty overall? And Tim is going to start us off. I'm so excited to go first for this one because I felt felt like this one was possibly if anyone else had the opportunity, they probably would have taken it. What if the Kansas city chiefs picked any of the top running backs other than oh, Clyde so Claire, any of them, Cam Akers, Deandre Swift, uh, Jonathan Taylor, any of them other than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And I, I feel like it would be a completely different situation. We might be talking about uh, running back one on the season for, for any of these other guys other than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Maybe. Um, I, mine is, what if Dak Prescott stayed healthy? Uh, the struggling Dallas defense, the shootout fest that we saw early in the year. So here's a breakdown of the first four weeks, which was all full Dak games. Week five was when it pivoted to a partial game. Dak was averaging 39 points per game. 
39. <laughs> then over that stretch, Amari Cooper was the wide receiver one. Not a wide receiver one, the wide receiver one. Lamb was wide receiver 16. That's when people were talking about him as dynasty wide receiver one. Michael Gallup, wide receiver 33. Dalton Schultz, tight end nine. So everyone was startable. And you get a fantasy starter. And you get a... Um, since, so since that changeover occurred, Amari Cooper, wide receiver 36. CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver 40. Michael Gallup, wide receiver 53. And Dalton Schultz, tight end 21. I mean, is there one player being hurt that affected more players than Dak Prescott being out? And with Dallas's defense... The shootout potential the entire year, massive volume. I just wonder if we could have been in for one of those, wow, there's two wide receiver ones and another guy in the top 20. Like it could have been a magical fantasy fest uh, if we had seen Prescott healthy for us a year. What about you, Jordan? He was my MVP pick coming into the season. And I'm just disappointed. You're a month into being right. <laughs> I, was, I was a month into being right. And uh, yeah, it was the injury just, just brutal. And I'll, I, he's has a really interesting career profile in terms of how he's gotten to where he's gotten. And um, I'm just a fan of his uh, generally. So uh, yeah, it was a really big disappointment and for all the reasons that you said as well, Chad. Oh, a double up. We had a double up on what if uh, Katie, what about you? All right. So mine, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, the butterfly effect where just the flapping of the butterfly's wings changes the air and can change, you know, the course of history. So my, what if is, what if Minnesota kept Stephon Diggs and didn't trade to draft Justin Jefferson? Would Diggs have had as good a season? He finished wide receiver one in yards this year. Which leads me to the next question. Would Buffalo have taken Jefferson at 22 instead of trading the pick to Minnesota? Because they don't have Stephon Diggs, now they get Jefferson. So imagine what Jefferson could have done in his rookie season with Josh Allen at quarterback instead of Kirk Cousins Give him Diggs targets of 160 instead of what he got as 113. Extrapolate that out to 112 receptions. That would be 356.8 fantasy points, which would make him the wide receiver one. Justin Jefferson, not only rookie of the year, but wide receiver one on the season. Wow. Or what if he was so disgruntled they couldn't trade him there and they traded him somewhere else? I mean, there's so many moving pieces. And what if they didn't get a first? What if they got a second in something and then they don't get Jefferson either? Yeah, I mean, that, that is also a really big one. All right, shifting over and uh, the I Will Always Love You Awards. This is any position. Obviously, it can't be a player. We have awarded uh, a different category. So I'm going to start us off. Uh, previous winners, you got guys like Devontae Adams. I remember I looked back. Will Fuller was my guy last year uh, going through all those injuries. He came through this year uh, largely healthy, which was great to see. Um, and I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson. So my, my short letter to Antonio Gibson here, what position will you play at the 2020 senior bowl, let alone in the NFL? That's where we were. Um, your minimal workload in college is rarely defining for an NFL running back. You get drafted by the Washington depth chart, then the Washington Redskins uh, with a breakout candidate in Darius Geis, hall of famer, Adrian Peterson, plus UTH chronically underrated grinder, Peyton Barber. Uh, you get day two pedigree. And the perfect storm of Peterson being released, Darius Geis off the team. And eventually, there's no question what position you're going to play to begin the season. The size, the movement, the all-around game, you shine through. Your character and connection dating back to being able to interview in Mobile last January shine through. Keep grinding, my man. Uh, you are an unquestioned target player in rookie drafts. 
considered a leap of faith by many at the position uh, without a, you know, without a position as a prospect. Uh, I see the potential and what kind of player you become as well as where they were as a prospect. Thank you for a great year one and know that I will always love you. Jordan, you're up. Yeah, I'll shout out Travis Kelsey and AJ Dillon. Uh, but I'll go with this underdog story that, you know, really just to see him get uh, to have this huge, uh, enormous week 16, I uh, couldn't really see it coming. Uh, Mike Evans. And it's a really underdog story. He, there was nothing really in his track record to ever see that he could finish in the top 12 uh, and be the wide receiver one on a, on a team. Uh, yeah, I just, I, it, the targets were down, uh, but the tight, the, touchdown efficiency was up, you know, we'll see how that all balances out next year. But, um, I've thought he's been undervalued for a while. He'll probably continue to be undervalued and we'll just keep pounding chairs. He's falling down the board, Jordan. What are we going to do? He's a falling knife. Get out while you can. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Katie, who do you love and who do you want to tell us about? This is a repeat and I don't mind repeating the same person over and over again, year after year. Uh, I will always love you, Todd Gurley. You struggled to rekindle that on-the-field magic, but until you're out of the league, always be a Gurley girl. You're the first Debbie player that I ever took and a player that I love watching in college as well as in the pros. So cool. So cool when you have a guy that you've, you've tracked since Debbie, and that's why playing Debbie is great because you can follow him and have him their entire NFL career, and you had him as a freshman. Tim, who do you love? Yeah, I I like a nice tight end, and I'm going tight end with <laughs> with the one that I will always love, and that is Dallas Goddard. I still remember being told that that he's blocked. He will never perform. That was that was from Chad Parsons. He will never what? be the guy. I it, need it a quote. Years. I need to see that. It will be years before he is. It was he, years. Well, okay, one year maybe. <laughs> he unblocked himself. Now on the verge of Zacherts probably being released by the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> I, I, I think you will be a top, uh, a tight end one, top five tight end in 2021. I love you, Dallas Goddard. Tim. You are one of my favorite tight ends. Tim loves you, Dallas. Never forget. <laughs> Chad didn't love you. He's late to the party. He's late to the wagon. All right. We've saved the best award for last. And uh, let's see. Uh, I didn't put, put the ordering here. So who goes after Tim? You do. I do. What? Tim. Go, so I go first again. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Um, but there's a player. I'm wondering if we're going to quadruple up here because there's a player. I just now, Oh, that we're not going to Tim says no. Tim's no. All right. I guess I'll start. Okay. So we got Alvin Kamara for me, overall MVP. Uh, if it was a close race entering the fantasy playoffs, how does 56 points in week 16 sound with six touchdowns, 172 total yards could have been seven touchdowns. Some people lamenting that you know, somebody else gets some love in that game. He was on a torrid pace before Drew Brees exited the lineup. Uh, he had 19 plus points in each of the first seven games of the season, including 38 and 44 point games. Brees returns Kamara tilts fantasy championships uh five straight running back one seasons for alvin Kamara. this could be a career to date award it's also a 2020 mvp award and he was a uth you know target player and uh one of those i will always love you type players as a prospect so perfect storm and he's closing out here 2020 with my mvp award 
Yeah, I'm going to go uh, right there as well. And I'll just echo what I, I'll echo everything that Chad said. I sent Chad a text after the, uh, after the huge breakout game. And I said, I'm really proud of our analysis on Alvin Kamara during that rookie draft. It was a home run and contrarian. We, and we leveraged the hell out of it. And, uh, you know, and a lot of people have benefited from that, us included. Um, uh, and it wasn't popular either. So it was, uh, I'm, I was a huge, huge fan of his all the way through and to see him pay off. I think I have to go back and look, but I think he's probably in terms of where you got him and drafts, probably the best um, uh, rookie pick uh, in the last 15 years in terms of value where I actually got him. So I'm um, just a huge, huge fan of his. And uh, I'm really happy that he uh, closed it out in week 16. Wow. Yes. Katie? Katie's up. Okay. All right. Overall MVP, I'm going with Mr. Devontae Adams, uh, the wide receiver one. And everybody's talked about him before. He's been in several other categories. But seven top 12, six top five weeks this year. Um, If you did have him, he had an off week in week 15 that may have cost you a spot in the championship. But if you got through that, He had 43.2 or thereabouts, depending on your scoring system in the championship game. In my big money league, it came down to six points, and he scored me 43 total. So he's part of the reason that I won at least that one. Plus, I think he's on our team, isn't he, Tim? Yep, and we won that one. Uh, But anyway, that's my MVP. Tim, finish us out with your MVP in 2020. There's been a lot of slander, maybe liable, against me saying that that I have called this person dead, that he is a walking corpse. Uh, <laughs> so for that reason, I feel like I owe owe this player a a debt of gratitude. Uh, for 2020, I will give him my overall MVP. Uh, he's someone that may in fact be the walking dead. But he's putting up maybe his best touchdown to interception ratio season of his entire career. Uh, He's had his best completion percentage of his entire career. And Aaron Rodgers, I I owe you a lot this season. Uh, I will say, even after calling you dead, I have you on a lot of my teams. (laughs) And uh, you win my overall MVP and my deepest gratitude. Excellent. Finishing on that note. Yeah, absolutely. With Aaron Rodgers, and great to see great players playing well. Right. I mean, that's also, and I would say finishing out now, putting the, the, the finishing touches here on the fantasy and dynasty season, shifting over to now we can be NFL fans. You know, I mean, it's a little difficult when you got everything in the hopper. Uh, You know, we do have fandom uh, among us. But, uh, but now we can enjoy the NFL season. We can enjoy great players making great plays in the biggest of moments to close the season and on through the NFL uh, playoffs and Super Bowl. A uh, UTH subscriber contest best ball update here because we have the final standings. And uh, Miss Katie Flower taking it home. How many championships is this? Two or three? Two. Two. And, and, uh, and, you've, and been, you've been in second place twice now also. We came oh, in first and second together uh, two years ago. Always wearing the ugly dress. Chad Parsons in second position here. I'll hand the crown over to you, Katie. Oh, how about this? <laughs> no, uh, what, what do they call it? Uh, Empire Awards? We're still waiting for a, a back-to-back <laughs> here. But yeah, Katie, first place. Uh, 
you know, I kind of saw that I was going to cut into the gap potentially at best this week, but not very much. Didn't help at all. Comfortable win. Uh, you were 100 points over third. Shout out to the first uh, non-UTH uh, expert here with Andrew Callio in third place, Kevin Riley in fourth, Andy Rizzo in fifth, and uh, Katie, what are some of your congratulatory words here as you accept the uh, makeshift trophy? Well, I, I wanted to say that if you remember, we had a couple of contingency rosters. We had these cool contingency rosters that you could build this year because of the COVID. And I created three rosters based on each of the different bonuses, chose the one that I thought was going to be the best. I actually would have come in first place with my studs versus duds roster by another hundred points. <laughs> but if I went with the $9 and under, I would have been dead last. Oh, okay. So just, I thought Katie was going to say all three of them. She's like, I would have won no, easily. No, but I did, the I did troll of accepting the trophy. She's I did like, draft I beat you all three times. This is easy. <laughs> this is easy. Like who's that golfer, Jordan? That always is. Little, I don't even practice. Stuff's easy. I just show up and win. <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Katie's that guy. She's like, I would have won twice. I don't know what you guys are doing. I'm gonna enter <laughs> twice. Uh, so for Jordan McNamara, Tim Torch, Katie Flower, myself, Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle. Refuse to be average, and keep building those dinosaurs.